Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for uh, just this really, really sunshiny day, Lord, and uh, it's always great to be in your house and to worship you and to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I pray, Lord, that you will just uh, wrap your arms around us, Lord, as we in this message, Lord, that we can learn, um, and, and we have some spiritual nuggets, Lord, that we can take with us. Uh, this week, uh, I pray that you anoint me to preach this message for your glory, and I just give you praise, and, and we just love you, Lord, and you are the best. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I think one of the probably raps, if you will, that, that people lay on Christians is, is we're too judgmental. Have you ever heard that one? Oh, you're just too judgmental, or or what? And and some of it is, you know, we need to be. There have been many times in churches where, where there's been issues with a, a leader, it could be a board or a pastor, where there had to be some discipline and a pastor had to be let go for moral reasons. Frequently, that seems to be uh, what's happening, and when that happens. People that really don't understand the faith, they'll look at you. If, you have, if a church has to make a decision, a moral decision, and that comes down and somebody has to be removed, you will hear a lot from the outsider, so to speak, where you're being too judgmental. Or that is very cruel. How can you be so cruel? Or nobody's perfect. Are you perfect? Or we hear, where's your love and where's your acceptance? And God, we're going to be talking about the righteousness of God here. And we need to really see my first thought is along these lines that God, God's right to judge. God has a right to judge. We're going to be looking at Psalm 89, 14, and 15. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. God has every right to judge our conduct because God's throne, his authority, and his rule are grounded in his righteousness and justice. God is righteous and justice. He cannot tolerate sin. God is... I better stay right here. God is... Yeah, uh, you know, and sometimes we kind of miss that understanding of righteousness because he is, he has to, you know, what, what really what he's talking about here is God defines moral order. God defines moral order. And he keeps us accountable as Christians, doesn't he? He keeps us accountable and also judges us accordingly. But we don't like to hear the word judge. We're going to talk about that a little bit later here. But let's look at verse 15. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. We are blessed and rejoice because God has chosen to reveal his righteousness, his character to us. We rejoice because out of God's love and faithfulness flows 
His righteousness, therefore, our actions should reflect God's presence in us. Our actions should reflect his righteousness in us. Does that make us perfect? No. But we're to strive to be more like Christ each and every day. I cannot say this. This is so important for us to understand that you might be the only Jesus somebody will ever know. By your actions, you might be it. And you never know who's watching you, how you respond, how I respond to people. It is so, so, so important. You can say one phrase or do one action that can turn somebody off so much, they'll never walk, they'll never seek the, seek the faith. I've seen that happen. You know, I've shared with you, you know, once, probably a couple of years ago, whatever, my neighbor, he, he, was, he grew up in the church up to 12 years old. But after 12, he never went back. You know why? Because of the pastor. You know, he and his buddy were playing in, uh, in, in a, you know, climbing a tree in the pastor's yard. The pastor came out and just lit into them with foul language. And he said to me, I can't believe a pastor would say that. I said, but not all, not, not all pastors are like that. That way he was wrong. And because of that, I'm just saying that that upset my neighbor so much, he said, I've never, never walked into church again. See, our actions are so important. They really define who we are in Christ. You know, I don't really hear it. I mean, for me, personally, I hear a lot of people can talk a real good faith, but are they walking it? We're going to be talking about that as well. We need to walk it. In order for the faith to come alive, we need to walk it each and every day, not on Sunday mornings only, but each and every day. Amen? All right. So we have a strong amen there, so we can, I guess we can keep pressing on. Lessons we can learn, Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good would it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Usually, every year, I go up to uh, with four or five of my uh, pastor friends, and we do this uh, retreat together in this monastery deep, deep into Iowa. And it's so cool because as we approach the monastery, it sits on a hill. It looks like a big castle or whatever. And it's amazing because, have you ever been to a monastery? It is, oh, it is really cool. I mean, when you drive up there, you can't feel the presence of God, at least I do. And when you get in, you know, with, we can learn so much from the monks because of their simplistic lifestyle. You know, you walk in in silence. You check in and you can talk. There are designated areas where you talk. 
And then there are areas where you don't, it's silence. Because they're sworn to basically live in this very simple life. And we look and sometimes we'll attend one of their services, which is very, very interesting. But, we, but again, there are certain things that I don't agree with them, but we can learn other things as well. That they, they are very aware of the dangers of living in a self-indulgent world. You know? And they don't uh, waste their time and energy checking out every new theological fad that comes along. They don't shop around for the, the latest and greatest dynamic spiritual preacher. You know? And theirs is not a buffet religion where they sample a little bit of this and a little bit of that in order to feed their momentary spiritual appetites. See, they are sworn to silence. They're sworn only to serve God. Now, that's not for me. It's not for you, but it's for them. That's what God has called them. But I admire their loyalty to their Lord. You know, they, they devote their whole lives. You know, they separate themselves from, from society and follow Christ. It's an amazing thing to talk to them and how serious they take their faith. Jesus taught the disciples the importance of following the cross. So let's look at verse 24 again. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Bearing the cross means dying to self and the world, right? We know that. That's very fundamental. And follow Christ. Verse 25 talks about sacrifice of giving, giving ourselves to Jesus regardless of the cross, regardless of the cost. You know, stop and think about that for a moment. Are we willing to sacrifice all for Christ? You know, we've seen people that have literally sacrificed themselves for Jesus. But the point I think Paul is making here also is the idea that we need to, if we are in Christ, we need to follow him, and he's number one. He should be number one. How does that work? I used to tell my children, I tell my wife, and she would tell me, I'm not her number one. Jesus is her number one. She's not my number one. Jesus is. Jesus is in any shape or form in my life. Does that make me perfect? Absolutely not. But it means I'm trying to be more like Christ each and every day. Friends, it is so important for all of us to model Christ in our lives. And our kids, I just heard some of the kids, to model Christ to the children. So as they grow, they grow with a knowledge of knowing that Jesus accepts them and loves them. That is so important. We should never, ever diminish that or reduce that, how we can influence young people. You're never too old to influence a child, a young person. Never, ever, ever too old. You can plant a seed. You don't know where that's going to go, but God does. 
So, does that make any sense to you? So, you know, I know for you saying, well, I've heard this before or whatever. Well, then you, then you need to hear it again. Because this, these things are very, very important for me as well. And verse 26, I'm going to get to this one. Having an eternal judgment perspective regarding our souls. Now, you're all biblical scholars here, so you kind of know when we talk about the judgment, who's going to be judged? Are we going to be judged? No. I heard a, a no, I heard a yes. And this is from this group of people. It's an interesting thought, a concept. Are we going to be judged? As believers, our eternity is secure in Christ. We will live as believers. We will live with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. However, there's always a however. God, Jesus will judge He will judge how we have handled the ministry opportunities God has given us in determining our heavenly rewards. We have the great white throne judgment for the non-believer. But then we have our rewards time for you and for me. It's going to be a great celebration and we won't be arguing about, I'm going to get more crowns of my jewel than you, or than you, or you have than me. It won't matter. But the idea is that it's coming for all of us, and all of us will be judged. You know, I hope it's for you as well. It is for me that uh, I want to be the best pastor I can be. You know, I want to serve. And, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to judge me. That board is not going to judge me. It's going to be Jesus, how I, the ministry he's given me, how I use those ministries. It doesn't matter the size of your church. Sometimes we get caught up in that. Well, it's only a 30-member church or a 40-member church or whatever. Well, you know, they don't really count, you know. Some people, I, I really believe that some people think just because this, these mega pastors, they're so up there that God really favors them. It doesn't matter to Jesus. What matters is our hearts. He says, I've given, you, I've given you 50 people. How did you minister to that 50 people? I've given you 300. How have you managed and ministered to those 300 people? See what I'm saying? For God, numbers are nothing. It's all the heart. You know? Amen? Amen. When you worship, how do we worship? Sometimes I blow it. Sometimes my mind winds think, well, I got I to gotta talk about this. I have to talk about this. It goes, shame on me. I'm not worshiping. You know? But by and large, you know, we are, God is called. And, you know, Sue, we have the worship team. You know, you're up there. You prepare. You know? Because this is important. I don't want to stand before my God and they say, you know what? Remember all those five-minute preparation things you did? Remember how you took some of the old uh, sermons and dusted them off? I don't want that. I don't want that. If you dust one, you better change it. 
All right. It's very sobering in here, isn't it? Like, okay. All right. Well, anyway, hope you hope the point is clear, what I'm trying to say here. Down but not out, number three. Oh, yes. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. Now, listen. In the midst of his trials, Paul gives three reasons why he never lost heart. And this is good for us why he never lost heart. Let's first look at verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this, this all-surpassing power is from who? God and not from us. Paul knew that the real treasure was Christ in us, that he was and we are merely the human vessels. We are the jars of clay that simply carry the treasure within us. Isn't that awesome to see that? That's who we are. And secondly, I think Paul was encouraged that life had not given him more than he could handle. If you look at verses 8 and 9 here, you know, it, it says, and, and we hear this, we hear these harsh, descriptive words of what had happened to Paul, such as hard-pressed, crushed, perplexed, despair, persecuted, abandoned, struck down, and destroyed, and then verse 10a, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Listen, if, if Paul had only talked about the bad things that had happened to him, we could understand maybe his bitterness and his discouragement. However, we need to go back. We need to go back and we need to look. We, we need to look at at the word not before his afflictions. Again, now we read, not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, not destroyed, and then 10B. So then death is not, is at work in us, but life is at work in you. The life of Jesus he's talking about here. Jesus was not dead but alive, being manifested in Paul. Jesus is being manifested in us right now as I speak. Just like Paul, we are just like him. Christ is being manifested in us. In us. This leads me to number three in this. That If we look at these scriptures, look at it this way. If we look at these scriptures in their entirety, we discover that even though life had not Paul around, he could celebrate. He could celebrate because he was still in the game. Friends, that is us. I think he's talking about Christy today. We're talking up here a little bit. She's had a bad week, you know? And, boy, we can all identify with bad weeks, you know? But that is us. You know, sometimes life doesn't just knocks us around. Sometimes life just knocks us down, but we get back up. 
Why do we get back up? Because of Christ in us, that we are still in the game. So we can get back. Honestly, I can't see how people can, can live their lives today without Christ. I, I can't see that. And I don't want to see that. But it is what it is. And I have, as a pastor, I have walked alongside many Christians through the years who have dealt with all sorts of pain, of sorrow, of tragedy, of illness, of broken relationships, financial problems, you know, and even death. Yet I've seen so many of them bounce back with a renewed faith, with a renewed strength, with a renewed hope, with a renewed contentment or confidence knowing that Christ is with them. You know what I'm talking about. Many of you, you have gone through your stuff, your pain, your sorrow, your tragedy. You know what I'm saying is true. You know? I don't think any... We wouldn't be here if we didn't believe in Jesus Christ. Would you be here? No way. You know? God is so good and he's so real and we need him so much and we need to share that with other people so much. Share it with, a, I don't know, just share it with a friend, whatever it is. Somehow, let people see a little bit of Jesus in you. That'll go a long way. And finally, finally, we're going to save. always they say when you do a message, you've got to have, have an upbeat ending. All right, so this is going to be about the upbeat we can get now. I don't know where we're going to go with this, but we're going to go somewhere with it, and we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. I prayed this morning, as I usually do, you know, and I'm praying. I'm also worshiping, but God seems to talk to me in prayer. I said, God, I don't know how to end this today, and he didn't give me anything. So I'm asking, God, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. So you blame God if it doesn't go well. Because we're going to give this a shot and see. I'm, so I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you every step of the way here. And we're going to see how your spirit's going to use this for your glory. And we're going to be looking at, again, uh, don't worry, be happy. Number four, isn't that great? Don't worry, be happy. So, so far, we know that God wants us to be happy. Okay, Galatians 5, 16, and 17. If you want to live a well-balanced, fulfilled, and content life, then Paul says in verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Here, Paul reminds Christians, since we have received the Spirit, we are to live, what? In the Spirit or walk in the Spirit depending on your translation. The Spirit is more than a manifestation of the supernatural power, though that is true. The Spirit is more than just dramatic gifts that He gives us, though important. But the Spirit is the inspiring, sustaining, teaching, convicting, guiding force in every Christian's daily life. Are you with me? We need to come back to this. Now, Lord, just help us walk through this. 
because there is a difference between being the Spirit. When we receive Christ, we know what? Holy Spirit lives in us. Fundamental, we know that. We see Jesus, the Spirit comes and lives within us. But the Bible tells us there's something more than that. That Spirit needs to be activated in us. You know, the Spirit needs to be manifested in us as believers because it is there that we get the power, that we get the conviction, the inspiration, etc. Okay? Verse, verse 17. For the sinful desire, nature desires, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. So the sinful nature, the flesh, refers to the earthly dominion that influences our lives. Okay? And this verse is not a battle, not talking a battle between two equal forces with the outcome in doubt. There will always be conflict between the flesh and the spirit. As long as we walk on this planet, there will always be that conflict within us. Because we're already, as I've always said, but we're not yet. So we're walking in the flesh, we're walking in the spirit. Hopefully as we grow in Christ, we're walking more in the spirit. Because the spirit will always be victorious over the flesh. Always. Are you with me? Okay. Across our land, I think we're seeing more and more um, people, Christian, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're seeing more empowerment of the Spirit in our lives. We cannot, we cannot grow in our faith. We cannot be empowered without the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, for, for many Christians, the Holy Spirit is a holy mystery. They say, okay, Holy Spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit lives in me, so what? They forget the importance, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Did not Jesus say, I'm going to leave you, but who am I going to send? That's right, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor. He will be with you. He will inform you. He will teach you all things of me. So what's wrong with Pentecostalism? We're doing, I believe, what the Bible tells us to do. Now, hear me. I know, I know there are some that aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. That does not mean for one second that Jesus loves those that are more than you. No, no, no. I'm not going down that, that negative, false theological road. God has equipped us and said, if you want something more, then I will give that to you. If you've been saved, the Spirit is in you, and you want all that God wants you to have, then just ask Him. You ask Him, and He will give it to you. I'm going to be very honest here. I mean, you can show your hand or not. How many people have been, been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Could you raise your hands? Okay, some have, some haven't, haven't, or whatever. I want you, those that haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, to let, I want you to know God loves us all the same. 
all the same. Some people want more of God. That doesn't make them a better Christian. It just means that God that has not revealed that to them and they feel comfortable where they're at. God is a gentleman. He'll never push us. Amen? He will never push us. But he offers these gifts to us. I've only personally give you my own testimony here with that. All I know is when I became a Christian, I was not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I love the Lord with all my heart. Oh, my goodness. Jesus has always been my number one. But then I heard someone say uh, from the pulpit or whatever, if you want more of Christ, if you want to experience a deeper, a deeper manifestation of his power, then ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had no clue what that meant. All I thought of at that point was, God, Jesus, I love you so much. I want all of you. I want all of it. Whatever you have for me, I want it. And he filled me at that moment. And it's made a difference in my life. And you, you, I'm preaching to the choir for some of you. You know, how has that benefited me? Sometimes when I pray, I don't, I don't know what to pray for. So I pray my prayer language. Lord, I don't understand what it, how to pray here. So I'm going to let your spirit pray through me. Make any sense? You've done it. You say, yeah, I get that. That's really true. I'm just saying that if you want, let's leave it here. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can be today. If you're not, don't panic. I've seen people, and they, I've seen uh, services where uh, people come forward to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I prayed over people to be baptized in the Spirit, and, and I see them, I say, I say, listen, you're trying too hard. Just trust that if you want this gift, this further touching of the Spirit, God will give it to you if you want it. If you don't, don't lose any sleep over this. Does that sound right? Don't, because God knows. And if you don't receive it now, if you keep praying for it, you will receive it. I believe, Mike, you're one of those. Mike has been praying a while back for, for being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It didn't come, it didn't come, and then it came. God's timing. God's timing is always right, right, right every time. So I feel God is leading me. For those of you that, why don't we just be in prayer? And for those of you that, is this fair enough? For those of you that have not received it, and that's okay. You know, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it might happen for you today, it might not. Again, God's timing. But if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all that God has for you, as I pray, as I pray, just, just pray. I'll, I'll pray for you, and we'll all pray for you. How does that? We'll all pray for you, okay? And we're going to see where the Holy Spirit's going to take this. Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord. And I pray for, Lord, I pray for my brothers or sisters, those that have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they are, 
they want all of you or they're not sure, Lord, that you would just move in their hearts right now. And Lord, I pray that your spirit will manifest in them. I pray, Lord, if they want to receive this extra touch from you, Lord, that you would touch their hearts. You, your spirit will just move in them in a mighty way. There'll be a mighty rush of the spirit upon their hearts, their minds, their whole being, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister them to them, Lord. They'll be transformed in you, Lord. Help them any barriers that they might have, that you just knock those barriers down, Lord. That they might see only you right now, Jesus. Only you. Only you. That your spirit will fill them with your love, with your power, with your truth, with your conviction, Lord. That you will give them an extra boost in their spiritual tank, Lord. I pray that, Lord, with all my heart. But I also pray, Lord, I want them to know that you love them regardless. That if they walk out of here and they've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they are not second-class Christians. They love you, Jesus. That is always the most important. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. You're so wonderful, Lord. I pray, Lord, you'll touch that one, two, or three people in a very special way today that they will leave here refreshed, empowered, and encouraged to know that you love them you love them, you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I turn it over to the worship team, you know, we can, we can spin and we can put a meaning of the Holy Spirit. I can say to Chris, give me your definition of the Holy Spirit or, or Mike or or Mike and Katie, or, and they give me a, a good, strong definition of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does. But when the Holy Spirit dwells within, we change. We just change. We just do. And when the Holy Spirit, I found for me personally, when I seek the Holy Spirit, all that he has for me, I get this, this extra surge of feeling God's presence. Not any better than anybody else, but that Spirit just gives me a little extra boost. That's what he does. Don't be afraid of it. Jesus died for you. As Paul said, Jesus lives in my body. Christian, Jesus lives in your body. 
just let him live. Walk in his spirit. Receive him. Walk in the spirit. And just receive all that he has for you. I guess that's all I have to say about that, except for that, you know, he wants us to live life to the fullest. That's all. Let's leave it there and live life to the fullest. Just ask the Holy Spirit as, as Sue sings and Chris leads uh, to just fill your heart. Whatever, whatever you want, he will give to you. so much for all of us. I would encourage you, don't be discouraged or don't be skeptical. Just ask for that extra nudge, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come into your heart. Let the Spirit just dwell in you. And I guarantee you receive a blessing like you've never received before. Stand with us, please.